Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What do you mean? You've just returned from a lifetime ban. Are you a ghost? Real Midlands, that, innit? Hello and welcome to reminding you why you love football, a new weekly podcast from Monday Our Magazine that aims to make your Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays or whenever you listen to it a lot better. If you don't know Monday Out, we are a quarterly magazine, a brand, a publisher, we've got social channels, we do audio, we do merchandise, we do events. Some would say we do too much, but nobody's stopped us yet. Joining me today, and I'm going to rank them by how they look on their screens with different internet speed, is, is James Bird who looks a bit like a melting waxwork of Luka Modric today. Sebastian White, who looks like uh, a football hooligan. And Tommy Stewart, who looks like Terry Phelan with a moustache in his Man United shirt. So we're going to go straight in with... Um, can we get a hello off everyone first? Hello. Hello, everybody. No, Seb's not saying hello. Probably looking at, <laughs> probably, probably looking at videos of ultras fighting in a forest. Doesn't know how to use his microphone. <laughs> So we support these now is our first item. And Seb has handily provided Johnny Sharple's master list of we support these now. Um, If you don't know what we support these now are, it's pretty self-explanatory. But for the last eight years, we've been infrequently or frequently saying who we support now. The first ever we support these now on February the 4th, 2016. James, Seb, any idea? Um, I am going to suggest... Oh, that's a good question. Kashima Antlers. Good guess. Incorrect. Seb? I'm going to say, just because of the nature of the person involved, I'm going to say Dennis Bergkamp, and that might be why he started to do the list. He talks a lot about Dennis Bergkamp. So, the first one ever is Klub Di Remo. Me neither. The second one, some eight months later, in August 2016, is FC Skull. And then nothing for a whole year until it was Schalke, and then we've got your Romas, your San Etienne's, your FC Real Bristol, the Italian speed skating team, San Paolo's handball team, Japanese clothing brand Beams, CBeebies, literally just a pair of Adidas boots and more. And if you think those are niche, then let me tell you, James Bird is going to blow your fucking minds. James, we support these now. Who have you got? Okay. The team that we support now this week is a team called Willington AFC, who are very, very relegated uh, from the Northern League Division 2, which is in Step 6. They got three points from 30 games this season. But the real reason that um, they're here and the real reason that we support those now is because of how I found out about them. The other week, Sebastian Dennis-White shared a link with me that featured a Google sheet that everybody in the world could access that featured the bottom, let's say, six teams of every division from step two to step seven uh, in the English football pyramid. Seb 
sent you a spreadsheet. Well, I think it's I think it's what the inside of his brain looks like, to be honest. And he probably needed somebody else to go in there with him. But it's absolutely incredible. So it's done by a guy called Pete Miller. Um, his uh, Twitter handle is Pete Miller 36 It's color-coded. There are tables. <laughs> there's rules. There's italics. There's capitals. You jump in. Each There is a tab for each step. Each step that's involved in a relegation battle that has teams in the bottom half of the league. And I think what's most important to explain here is that each of these teams have their point per game. Now, Seb, you'll know this better than than I do, but point per games is very important in terms of promotion and relegation. Is that correct in the lower leagues? Yeah, definitely. As you get further and further down the pyramid, the different leagues feed into each other. There's more leagues to feed into each other. So rather than each one feeding into a certain one, they sort of average these out. And they, uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 definitely the metric that they use, but it's very important. And that explains the existence of the spreadsheet, I think, the, the real reason for the spreadsheet, just so everyone can keep a keen eye on what might happen at the base of the huge non-league pyramid. Why would anyone want to keep an eye on that? <laughs> I think the, <laughs> well, certainly, that was going to be my question, Aaron. The best way, the, well, I think, to... I think, I think the best way to describe it is that the feeling I get when I'm looking at this spreadsheet, ten tabs, all these random names. I mean, I'm looking at it now. The bottom half of the Eastern Counties team has Coggers Hall United, Hackneywick, Northwest Under, Newbury Forest, Wivenhoe Town, North w, NWC One North. Below that, Cleetermore County, Runcorn Town, Ashton Town, Daisy Hill, Garstang, and after that, you've got played points, goal difference, points per game. The feeling I get when I'm in this is the same feeling I get when I listen to the shipping forecast. It's just a load of numbers and names that I have no connection to. I'll never understand, but I could spend all day reading it or listening to it. It's it's brilliant. It's it amazes me sometimes that you've both fathered children. Um, but same, <laughs> same. <True. laughs> I mean, I, I've also <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't disagree with you there, though. I mean, <laughs> nothing to do aesthetically. You know, yeah. <laughs> nothing to do with that. You're both good lads. It's it's things like this. Why have you picked these particular? I mean, they're shit by the sounds of it, right? They've they've they've. Are we just supporting them because they're shit, or is there something else that is drawn you like a particularly tortured moth to their disgusting non-league flame? We're we're supporting them because they're shit. Yeah, they had they had the lowest points tally that I could see as I was skipping through the tabs earlier. If we support them, James. If we support them, are we their only four fans? Well, I'm going to be following them from now on, yeah, for sure. Where do they play? Where do What are they called? Willington. Willington. They're bottom of the northern second. Above them is Sunderland WE. Second from bottom had 36 points and bottom had three points. This is what I'm talking about. Three. Trez Punter. Just tr- ha- treat yourself. Get lost in these numbers. It's fucking brilliant. I, I imagine the scenes are uh, Shane White when he... When he, <laughs> when he, when he <laughs> When he got word that this this mythical spreader was on its way to him, uh, was the office door was was very much locked. Anyone anyone nearby and listening might have heard a, the clang of a belt buckle hitting the floor. <laughs> Can only agree what a magnificent piece of work it is because it, it really is an, an an insane amount of work and an insane sort of. Especially, you know, it's not, even in this day and age, especially as the further you go down, not every team has a Twitter feed, not every team has has the data ready to hand, or it might be 
you know, especially towards the end of the season when the games are running thick and fast because there's been numerous cancellations. I think Sandhurst Town played like 15 times in, in about three weeks or something, Duff. So it is, it's an incredible piece of work. No, it is an exception. You're right. It is an exceptional bit of work. And there was often some competing ways of, of charting. Um, if you, The lower down the pyramid you were and the smaller the club and they tried to centralise everything. And there was Pitch Hero to start with, which anyone who's sort of been around um, youth teams or non-league teams will have used Pitch Hero. It's fucking huge. It's awful. It's awful. And you can tell the teams you've got dedicated people because there'll be some photos on there and links to squad lists that might only be a season out of date. And then there was the FA's full-time website. Not much better, to be honest. Yeah, well, it, well, exactly. I mean, if Hampton tried to sign you, uh, they might have to... Uh, yeah, you, they were the first thing the FA would do and then they would they pull up the any details on the player or anything like that and, and there'll be there'll whatever bans or outstanding fees on there. It's a it's it's a minefield, but I agree with you on pitch hero. It was a it was what we had to use for Hampton and Richmond, and it was an absolute pain. And there are some clubs that have just gone sod it. I'm not using it. I'm going to use my own. Um, I'll design my own. And if anyone ever looks at Braintree's uh, <laughs> website, it is straight out of the late nineties. It is so good. It's 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 like someone's cashed it from 1998, but they still use it in that format. It's brilliant. Tremendous. It's brilliant. I realised that I was still registered, or there was past things knocking about when I when I signed up to do my coaching badges about 15 years ago. That I couldn't get on it because there was something outstanding in Shropshire. Now at that point, I hadn't lived in Shropshire for over a decade, and because of a knee injury, hadn't played in any registered football for over a decade either. It turned out after three back-to-back send-ins off in the sent off, got banned for a month, came back, sent off, got banned for two months, came back, sent off. And in the period after getting sent off, I injured my knee and didn't play again. I'd been banned signed die and signed die for anyone who knows football history basically means forever. And it happened to a player, um, a Rangers player back in the sixties. So I had to go into this and it turned out it was for non, I'd been banned signed diet and I had to get it overturned and, and, and explain it. But I got sent off twice out of those three for having a go at the ref, not for anything bad, but because they, the same ref kept getting in the way when I was having shots. It hit him about four times in the first game. And on the fifth time I said, can't you just get out of the fucking way? Off. The next game he said, you're going off today, Blackhurst, before the game had even kicked off when I did the coin toss. Oh, fucking hell. And then he did it again. It was almost as if he was getting in the way and trying to send me off. So, and then I don't know. The third time was just some 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 badness in a Thursday night five on side league at Bridge North Leisure Centre, which was very competitive. But, but yeah, signed die, James. My favourite story about sort of bans from uh, Sunday League football is from my dad, who uh, remembered playing in a game and twenty minutes into the game, someone put in a really really bad tackle, and it you know got sorted out. My dad was a centre back. The player comes back, and my dad goes, "Bloody hell, mate! That was that, that was a nasty one, wasn't it?" And the bloke looked to my dad and went, "Yeah, yeah, I should be careful. To be honest, I've just returned from a lifetime ban." <laughs> what do you mean? You've just returned from a life from a lifetime ban? Are, are you a ghost? Real Midlands, that in it? Are you a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. After the um, the second of those sendings off, I um. I took my Nike Tiempos off. Belters as well, they were. Nike Tiempos with a yellow tick. Um, my Brazils, I called them. But um, I took them off and threw them on the roof of the changing rooms at Warfield. And it was a it was a pitched roof like that. 
And uh, I had to wait for everyone to go and get a ladder and get up there and get them while all my teammates jeered. And every now and again, someone will send me a goo. Someone I played in, someone I, someone I played in that team with, will send me a Google, a Google Earth thing of the, of the clubhouse at Worfield with a picture of my boots drawn on the top of it. That's jokes. That's very good. Talking of uh, great boots, um, my older brother, again going back to the Shropshire leagues, actually, he played for. Uh, Hormond and he scored he had a 60 goal season 60? And do you remember the Adidas Supernovas? They're my favourite boot of all time because they had them, They did a gold and black one Yes. And I had a pair of those gold and black ones. You can't find them any, you type them in, you can't fucking find them anywhere but I had them in gold and black. They were the same shape and material, and material as the Predators but they didn't have the rubber on. So he was able to embroid his own boots or have had a contact for it and it was just when United had signed Jamba Jamba, and his name is Jam or Jambo. So he had De Jambo De Jambo written, as in Jambo Jambo, <laughs> on those boots and scored 60 goals and retired them, retired the boots and then went to centre-back, I think, for the final years of his career. Amazing. I had a pair of um, Speciali moulds that I loved. Used to play a lot on old-school AstroTurf then. Not, none of your three or four G malarkey. The old-school sand, really bad for your knees, shockwaves all up your back, Astro. And I had these specialists. They weren't even particularly good to wear on that AstroTurf. I should have just worn trainers, but I used to paint them for some reason, different colours. They were about fucking three stone by the time I'd finished with them. They had, I'd done about seven different colours on them. And I used to wear them just because it pissed off. It just pissed off various, like, narrow-minded Salopians I played against. What, what sort of player were you? Centre midfielder. I've played quite a lot of different positions, actually, but it's been so long since I've been able to classify myself as the of the player I was when I didn't have a, a, a knee that didn't work. It's hard. So I'd ask, I'd ask James Bird, who's only played with me in the eight aside, older, not past my peak days. Bit of a Danny Ings. Mm. That's fucking delete that. Why? That's one of the most. He's fantastic with his back to goal. <laughs> you play, you play the ball into him anywhere on his body, takes it down, finds someone else. That's that's my memory of playing with you. You played up front, hit it at your chest, hit it at your thigh, hit it at your shin. You'd take a touch and lay it off for someone else. But you know what? Good first touch. Let's just leave it at that. Fucking Danny <laughs> Christ almighty. He's so techy as well. He's so... He's, he's, yeah, he's a secret tech god. So, talking about people being crippled by knee injuries. This is a fortuitous link. We're going to move on to adventures in clubland. It's it's a good point you've made, James, because I've always felt strangely, a strange kinship with players who've had their knees decimated because when you feel, when you felt the, only people who felt the explosion of your cruciate rupture and in one go inside the knee can ever describe how it feels to someone else. And if you haven't felt it, you don't know. And if you do your meniscus as well, which I did and, and a bucket handle tear of the cartilage. You'll know it's an awful, um, an awful lot of pain. We could talk about we could talk about R nine here, but I think I've said everything I need to say on him with seven thousand words, which people can find on the on the website if they want. But Roberto Baggio, I probably feel not more linked. That's a bit of a wanky thing to say. But Roberto Baggio, one of my favourite quotes about any other footballer or about any footballer is when someone said the angels sing in his legs, and I just felt that. That was so, it's both bang on the money about him, but there's also no footballer, and I include Ronaldo in this, because Ronaldo had one big redemptive arc where he was injured and he came back and won the 2002 World Cup. This happened to Baggio fucking 
all the time. And apart from the penalty miss, it was always his knee. It was always his knees. Now we're gonna for adventures in Clubland. This is the section we're on now. We're gonna go to Brescia. Um, it's quite an important time in his career, and what what I love about Roberto Baggio. But I think it's worth worth reminding people first that before he even left Vicenza, before he even got to Fiorentina, before he even got to be um, Il Divine Cadino, his knees exploded. And he spent his first year at Fiorentina having his knees done to come back and his knee, his knee to explode again. He had 220 stitches on the inside of his knee. He, he thought he was done. He was laying in a hospital bed crying for weeks. He lost 12 kilos in the weeks afterwards because he couldn't eat because he thought his dream was done. He was told you will not play football again. This is when he's like 19 years old at Fiorentina before anything, like the popular stuff about Roberto Baggio. And he goes on to not only overturn that, not only just get a bit of a job in career, he goes on to fight through all of that and play with immense pain every day and never feel fully fit and never be able to be the player he thought he could be because one of his legs wasn't strong enough. And he had repeated knee injuries after this. Let's not forget that you know, his meniscus, his cruciates happened again and again and again. He had something like six knee operations in the first three years of his career. But he went on to become the best player in the world and Europe and the best player in Serie A at a time when the best players in the world were in Serie A. But the reason I'm going to Brescia is because something that happened just before he joined and the things that happened when he was there tell you everything you need to know about him. It's it's probably easy to talk about a player when they're in their pomp and we can watch videos of Baggio at Juventus and we can listen to David Platt quotes saying about how he, he saw him it was like being on a pitch with an alien at times. He's never seen anything anything like watching Baggio play. But towards the end of his career, he went. He left Milan and went to Bologna, and he had a great season at Bologna. But then he went to Inter, and Inter were his child, the team he sort of loved when he was a kid. And I know that doesn't mean much when you when you end, when you eventually become a footballer, you end up supporting the teams you play for more than the one you did as a kid. In in most cases, having spoken to a lot of footballers about it, but Baggio went to Inter, and you know. It was a fucking disaster, really. It should have been him and Ronaldo and Vieri. And, and for whatever reason, Marcello Lippi took against him, as a lot of authoritative Italian managers often did. I mean, I think as we all know that it's very easy to, to be a bit of a football wanker and talk about Trequitistas and fucking give me another one, I don't know. But like the only good one of that lot really is what? Baggio was, which is a fantasista. And James might have to give me the translation, but I imagine it just means... I think it's playmaker, but it's probably just magician or something, right, Fantasista? Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, just at this point, because this has been a really lovely soliloquy, did you want me to say playing football with you was like playing football with Roberto Baggio? No, because <laughs> that wouldn't be true. <laughs> but back to Roberto Baggio. So he'd gone to Inter, and when you've been through what he has, and when you're that talented and, and, and with that much peripheral vision and the ability to do things other players can't, he said something that before that nearly made me cry. He said he never thought about the best days because what had happened to him when he was younger and how often injury and, 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 and sort of things came back to bite him. All he could hope was the next day was better than the last. And that's an incredible thing to go through your career for, you know, through your career. But anyway, Brescia, Inter. Marcello Lippi took against him, froze him out. Absolutely froze him out. You know, it led to even Zidane at the time saying Baggio on the bench. That is something I will never understand with my own eyes. You know, that's Zidane saying that. Now, towards the end of his his, his second season at, at 
at Inter. Injuries bit, and Lippi's in the shit, and then President Massimo Moratti had said, had pretty much made it widely known that Lippi was only going to get a new con- contract if they qualified for the Champions League. And they came down to the last game of the season needing to beat Parma. So Lippi's forced to use Baggio. Now, Baggio knows if Lippi, who's frozen him out, who has spoiled his dream of playing for Inter, Baggio knows if Inter don't win this game, Lippi's gone. He might have another chance at Inter. Anyway, it tells you everything you need to know about Roberto Baggio. He goes out, puts in a man-of-the-match performance, scores two goals, into qualify. He's gone by the end of the season. He's off to Brescia. And Lippi gets a new contract and carries on. So firstly, that tells you who he is as a man. But then he goes to Brescia. They'd been promoted. They'd never managed to stay up before when they'd been promoted. The short story is he spent four seasons there. He scored 45 in 90 Serie A games over those four seasons. He was, they retired the number 10. He's their greatest ever player. They never got relegated. But every season he was at it. And, and I found some stuff here before when he was talking about the end of his career. And I didn't think, I never really thought about this, but these, these four seasons, he's among the best players in the league. They're always talking about recalls and et cetera. And he says, when I hung up my boots for the last time, it was like being liberated. The physical pain was really torture and accompanied my entire life as a player. In the last few years, it had become more than I could bear. This is the last few years he's at Brescia doing all this. When I was playing for Brescia, I struggled to walk for two days after every game. When I got home, I couldn't get out of the car. I had to put one foot down on the ground and haul myself up, hanging onto the door. And then the next Sunday, I would play again. Packed full of painkillers, but I'd play again. And I gave everything to football. And it might seem a paradox, but at that moment when I retired, he played his last club game against against Milan in the San Siro for Brescia. I felt happy and real and fully realised. I couldn't have done any more. At San Siro in that last game, and in Genoa on my final appearance for Italy, the fans and the way they reacted to me repaid me for all of it. And that's just some absolute... I mean, f- for the, the fact he was playing through that much pain, but turning in world-class performances and keeping, I don't know, Brentford up. Like it's, This is more than adventure in clubland. This is someone who's, who, whose knees gave up on him when he was 18 going down the stretch to 37 for whatever reason, he could have given, he didn't need to play these four years at Brescia. He just carried on and on and on and kept turning it in as we, as time moves on and, and, you know, and and statistically things get more important in the eyes of, of everyone. And, you know, and, and we get dumbed down as a football audience and think and talk more in statistics and you're one in twos and all that. That someone like Baggio's, the actual magic of what he could do on a weekly basis will be forgotten and he will just be known as seventh all-time top scorer in the, in the Serie A and the bloke who missed a penalty. Well, to know he did his whole career in such intense physical pain is, is remarkable. And, um, you know, I think there's a quote from a, a, a manager who said, you know, he's probably just behind Pele, Maradona, Cruyff and Messi or whatever, but without the injuries, he's probably above all of them. That's me and Roberto Baggio. So thanks for listening. That's beautiful, mate. I mainly know him for the penalty miss. And I, I've been looking, weirdly, I've been looking the last week for any documentaries on him, if anyone could recommend any, because I've, and I've been watching YouTube clips because I don't really know what type of player he, he was until, coincidentally, Owen sort of uh, did that lovely soliloquy today. Name a player from that 90s era who's seen as top level. Cantona, not fit to lace Baggio's boots. Not, not, even, not even in the same conversation, genuinely not. Nowhere near. Bergkamp, maybe as a creator, not as good. He's, he's not as good as Roberto Baggio. He wasn't winning World and European Player of the Year. If you sat down and watched him and compared what he did and how he did it, there wouldn't be, there, there genuinely wouldn't be many above him. Three three goals 
in 21 games this season. Danny Ings at West Ham. <laughs> yeah, get Danny fucking. Anyway, and you know what? And that's probably the be- and that's probably the best way to end it. But I, I never played like Danny Ings when I could run. You know what, Roberto Baggio, I love you. Let's move on. Mundial joins the dots for football culture. And that's not a boast by us, but the words of an actual subscriber in our most recent reader survey. Why not see what they're on about and have a look at Mundial magazine. 100 pages of global football magic released four times a year. It looks great, smells great, and the writing isn't bad either. Go to mundialmag.com or follow the link in the show description to find out more. From a man with angels singing in his legs to the greatest shirt. And this week it is Sebastian White. A man with gigantic legs. Big, <laughs> big. The, the, the pythons, the anacondas. The anacondas. Oh, yeah. The pistons pumping. Seb does a warm-up. Seb does a pre-football warm-up that is the most fucking 1960s thing I've ever seen. It goes against every bit of physiology advice I've ever been given. And I tried to tell him about it, and he used to look at me like, fuck off, mate, until his fucking hamstring snapped <laughs> doing it. He just walks and kicks his fucking legs above his head like he's doing the can-can. <laughs> it, and then it's fucking terrifying, isn't it, Birdo? Seb's legs, yeah. It, I mean, it only takes three of those strides to get across the penalty area. <laughs> anyway, Sebastian, do you know what? I'm going to put myself on mute. Over to you, big fella. I wrote about my greatest shirt. Oh, I think it was issue 1415. And that was a Yeovil Town home shirt from 89.90. And all I'll say is it's the only shirt that has been considered great with a pair of ladies' leather gloves on the um, on the on the badge, which we had because Yeovil Town and the Glovers. Anyway, moving on very quickly from that. This shirt is my second greatest for sure. It really is. I pestered and pestered my dad to buy me it when it came out. There was just something about it that I liked, even at that that young age. It's a shirt that was that wasn't actually worn that much. In fact, it was only worn once, and is perhaps more famous for being worn off the pitch. Um, I'm talking about the England third shirt from Italia '90, which was rocked incredibly well by Bernard Sumner in the in the World in Motion video, which, as we all know, is is the best is the best football song going and pretty much I think every Mundial event we've done I think has ended in that and me standing on a table and chairs with my hands in the air. But anyway, Seb, that's where, go on. Do you like New Order? Yeah, <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually got a poster. I've got an Oasis and Verve poster, but not a New Order one. I'll get one of those. Um, I think the best thing about it is um, I love the pattern. Obviously, the pattern's very... It's of, of its time, isn't it? And I'm sure whoever did design it at Umbro was certainly enjoying themselves at the weekend and um, going to some some decent clubs and, yeah, let's just say indulging indulging themselves. But my favourite bit of that whole shirt is the collar. I think it's the best collar on any football shirt. A, a nice little, a tiny little button top. You know, I mean, I like wearing my shirts all buttoned up at the top anyway. And I think the little addition of a nice... Nice button, almost mod-esque, isn't it, the, the collar? And I think it just looks, it obviously looks great on Bernard Sumner. It didn't look too bad on me as, as a 10-year-old, but that is definitely my favourite England shirt. It's my first England shirt, my favourite England shirt. And 
there's it's quite weird. Like I said, it was only worn actually once for a game. And I remember watching this game, coming back from school to, to watch it. And it was England away in Turkey. And Dennis Wise uh, made his debut and scored a great goal, which was, which was also handball. But that was the only time in 1991 that it was actually worn in a professional match. And England have got, has got a bit of a history with sky blue kits where they don't actually wear it. The first time they did it was 1970, where they did wear it, but only for one game against Czechoslovakia. Uh, all the way again, fast forward to 1986. They didn't wear the shirt, the blue sky blue shirt in 1986. But of course, people, or maybe not, of course, I certainly remember, and I'm sure people will remember when they see the pictures again, they wear the blue shorts and the blue socks in the in that game against Argentina and Diego Maradona. So the shorts and the socks were worn in a proper game. They kept the same template in 88, but they, again, it was never worn. They obviously only wore the 90 kit once. And in the 92, they had arguably, some people actually prefer it to the 90 shirt, the, the one with the three lines sublimated across the shoulders, which is, is not necessarily for me. But that that was the last time until... Bizarrely, I'm quite surprised by this, but England and, or Umbro and Nike haven't revisited the Sky Blue kit because it is just iconic. It's been copied by so many different people. Uh, there's been collaborations. In fact, New Order have done their own collaboration and you can buy a version of the shirt with a New Order logo, which um, which I have got, obviously. But um, yeah, I think it, it's, a great, it's a great shirt. It's got the greatest collar. Might not be best remembered on the pitch and probably more remembered off it, but it's, it's my favourite shirt. And the latest line that says away shirt is very much based on that. And it's the first time that a brand has sort of tried to copy it and, and use it for England. So uh, that's very much my favourite greatest shirt. And I will, I will I will fight to the death anyone who disagrees on that subject. Well, I would fight you to the death and, and disagree with you, but is everything OK? I feel like if you... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like if I did say anything against it, you'd fucking hit, hit me over the head with a clobbering stick. There was a bit there when I thought, "Am I ask, am I tripping?" As my as someone as my missus as my missus started adding microdoses to my tea to see if ever to, to get me through the day. Have you ever Sorry. thought about going on Mastermind? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sebastian White, your uh, what is your uh, specialist subject today? All right, Shagger, my specialist. Su- <laughs> My specialist subject today is a load of fucking shit about football. Nobody else will know. And I'll talk about it all. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed me Fucking. I just want to say that that was a collection of the most Sebastian Dennis White words I've ever had to listen to. Three new orders, four Bernard Sumners, and 19 arguably. And a few three lions for good measure. I genuinely didn't read that off either. It was all... I, I, I really like the part where he goes... Uh, it looked good on Bernard Sumner, but didn't look too bad on ten-year-old me. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a picture well, of really, Come on, well, was really cute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Limbs. James Bird. Limbs is with you. Okay, so I'm going back to 2010. It's the first summer after my first year at university. I've moved to London. I've gone back from Wolverhampton for a couple of weeks. And I think I am Billy fucking big bollocks. I've moved to London, East London. None of you, you don't understand, lads. It's just so different. It's just so different. Yeah, I'm out all night. Yeah, all this stuff. But it's the 2010 World Cup. And it's the first game. I remember the weather was great because I picked strawberries that summer at a local farm to earn a bit of cash. Um, Anyway, that game kicked off at 3pm, the first game of the tournament, South Africa versus Mexico. And the Shabalala goal, I have not really celebrated even Wolves goals as much as I celebrated that goal. It meant like the layers to that goal, I felt sat in my lounge in Wolverhampton and how that goal must have felt to so many other people, 84,000 people in Soccer City. The finish is incredible. The sound of the Vuvuzelas, the celebration, the commentary, goal for Bafana Bafana. I, I just think everything about that goal is wonderful. Um, and then about 10 years later, we had a regular piece in the front section of Mundial called Random Collectibles of eBay Shite. It was called Random Collectible Shite off eBay. Okay, it's very close. Anyway... For that issue, I bought a Vuvuzela and I remember being sat in the office and I had 250 words to file for it. And I'm sat opposite Owen, who I've got to send the copy to with this. And I was sat there thinking, like, how am I going to describe this goal? How am I going to describe everything that this meant to me? Sat there, this sort of outpouring, just of emotion that I could see on the television. And I just typed, Shabalala. And then I think 730 H's for the sound of a Vuvuzela. Sent it across to Owen. Went, Owen, I've just sent you the copy for the uh, the Vuvuzela. And I've just seen his eyes just go, oh. The, the cell is Shabalala. That's not even in the copy. And the copy starts with about 30, 50 H's. And then, a lo- and then about the same amount of E's. And then loads of R's. And then loads of N's. So it's basically... And then at the end, it says, Vuvuzela, South Africa, World Cup, 62 centimetre African horn, football, South African flag edition, £4.50, eBay. And that, my friends and listeners, is what it's like working on a magazine. £4.50, though. But yeah, so you're right, James, the, the absolute layers to it. I mean, it wasn't a brilliant... World Cup. There's some funny stuff. There's Frank Lampard being furious about his fucking shot that hit the bar forever and Meza Ozil leading a merry dance and John Terry and Wayne Rooney complaining about not being able to get a massage and being confined to their rooms and Capello going absolutely fucking bananas and scuppering everything for himself. But um, but yeah, Shabalala-la-la-la-la-la. Great. A, gr- a great goal. A great, great goal. You're right, James. Maybe one of the best... Maybe the best opening goal of a World Cup in my lifetime, actually. 
can't think of anything better with more um, with more on it. Are you looking to join a club? Well, how about Club Mundial? It's what we call our subscriber offering. And it's the best club in the world, we think. For only £10 a quarter, you get the magazine through your door, a tidy little membership card, 20% off all Mundial merchandise and discounts at classic football shirts, All Press Espresso, Art of Football and Percival Menswear. What more do you want? You also get priority access to events, subscriber-only merchandise and a weekly Club Mundial newsletter. Go to mundialmag.com or follow the link in the description to subscribe today. We'll see you at the bar. Dream midfield blunt rotation. Well, I was having a bit of a search around today, thinking how can I maybe do something differently? So I started looking at all-star teams and teams of the years and and, and things like this, because a lot of them have been created retrospectively. Anyway, I found what I thought was the Premier League all-star team from the 2011-2012 season. Um, it's the Aguero season. It's RVP scoring 30 goals for Arsenal. It's big Grant Holt scoring 15 Premier League goals for Norwich. Um, now, it turns out this wasn't the PFA team of the year, but just some randoms. But I like the fact that his midfield, and therefore my dream midfield blunt rotation, is Antonio Valencia, who that season won the Sir Matt Busby Player of the Year and the Man United Players Player of the Year award. Uh, Yaya Torre. Great, brilliant, generational midfielder, up and down, fantastic. Then it gets a little bit, you've got Stefan Sessignon, who was known at the time by um, online by Andy Dawson, Profanity Swan, who, who seems to rile a lot of people on the internet, but as I'm sure Tommy can confirm as well, is one of the most genuinely lovely people you will ever meet. Uh, a very kind human being. Top bloke. Uh, and, and very funny, but um, and Atletico Mints as well, but... He used to call him Sausage John <laughs> instead of Sausage <laughs> and, and I've never been and I've never been able to think of anyone else. So when I first when I saw Sausage John was in this um, Premier League team of the year, and this was the midfield, and then on the left wing, left mid, uh, fucking Clint Yeehaw Dempsey, who that season scored twenty odd goals in all competitions and very nearly. Got a move to Liverpool, so I am. Um... Can I just rewind to the start of this uh, description of your ideal blunt rotation and confirm that this is just some random person's team of the year? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, because I I looked through I looked through like World Cup and Euros dream teams, and there was quite often players we've talked about before or whatever else. So I thought, oh, Premier League team of the years. There might be some randoms in that. The the actual Premier League team of the season from this year had David Silva, Yaya Torre. Scott Scotty Parker, wing commander Parker, reporting for duty, shrapnel injury. Uh, and then on the left wing, Gareth Bale. So so whose team is this? <laughs> Just some writers. They are my dream uh, midfield blunt rotation. I'm in the car. I am um I'm a club driver. I'm driving them I'm driving them to the PFA Awards. And there you go. As you're there, Tony V. Drive, mind if we smoke. Not at all, Tony. Not at all. What are we smoking? Tony's got a pre-roll, doesn't he? Yaya has a look over. Yes, Tony. My guy. My guy. My guy. Sausage John. He's in. Sausage John's ready. He's in. Clint Dempsey. The hat goes backwards. Yeah. Yeah, motherfuckers. Clint Dempsey in. We just have a lovely fucking, just have a lovely trip. I've got a, uh, a Vauxhall, a Vauxhall Tiguan and I'm driving that. 
they offer me every now and again a puff. Not till we finish driving, lads. Not till we finish driving. So there we are. They are my uh, dream midfield blunt rotation. My nightmare midfield um, blunt rotation. The nightmare, m- most people's nightmare uh, midfield blunt rotation are the Wimbledon Football Club <laughs> midfield of 1988 from the FA Cup final, which broke a young, um, a young glory hunting Owen's heart. But yeah, that midfield, Cork, Sanchez, Jones, Wise, and then in the in the in the famous words of was it John Motson said, who said the crazy gang have beaten the culture club. They were brilliant and looking back now they were like and what they went on to do and but they were a fucking nightmare and they i would imagine being the driver for vinnie jones laurie sanchez alan cork and dennis wisey wise let's say i'm dropping them to calais and i've sparked up a reefer they're not liking that <laughs> i don't think i don't think dennis wise is take, taking kindly to me blunting up no god no he, he, he he's the sort of person well i think this lot collectively who will happily drink 14 pints and have six Jaeger bombs throughout the night. But then if you say you smoke weed, they will just like do an eye roll or just say, you <laughs> yeah. fucking baby. No, they'll batter you. All that, yeah. I just wanted to confirm that it definitely is John Watson who uh, says the crazy gang of beat in the coach club because I had to get him to say it in his own, in his own garage. Of course, James. Why haven't we talked about this yet? Do you know what? You've got 60 seconds to tell the John Motson NFT story. Go. Okay. About one year ago, uh, I had to do a piece of branded work that involved John Motson reading out a script that I'd written for him to try to advertise a set of NFTs that he had launched with a company called FanZ. Now, I'm not going to disparage FanZ, but the NFTs feature John Motson uh 3d animations dressed as things such as a cowboy and a fireman and a spaceman and i had to go to john motson's house in a leafy suburb and stand in the garage wooden garage shed that had been built for him that he called motty's bar and uh, stand there and get him to read out this script whilst he smoked cigars at half ten in the morning. All his greatest, all his greatest lines, yeah. All of his, all of his big lines were in there. They were all in there. Uh, and then we went for lunch at a local pub. That's a minute. There you go. You'll have to find. Uh, you'll have to listen next week to find out what happened. Find out what happened at the pub. Right, back into the terror dome. Back into the mind of Sebastian Dennis White. He's been buying programs again. Talk us through it. Go on, Sevi. This one was a very recent purchase at the the West London Programme Fair at a, on a on a bank holiday Monday, which uh, and it cost me three pounds. But for God's sake, <laughs> I I I'll be honest. I genuinely thought it was like a print or something. I didn't realise it was a programme because the cover is absolutely sensational. Yeah, pretty good. Anyway, it's blue with a white cross on it, and the V is then cut out of the cross. Great bit of. Um, Great bit of graphic design. It's got a couple of players either side. It's an absolute belter. An, an, an absolute belter. After some of the shit you've trotted out, Seb, this looks good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. And uh, it's the it's the programme from the last game in the 1960 Home Championship. It's not been a particularly great tournament. And England, and, England are playing Scotland. We've got early versions of Ian St. John and Dennis Law for Scotland. The formations in the centre of the programme are fantastic. Uh, there are two, three, five formation. 
and one of those five for England is Bobby Charlton. He scores a penalty, then he misses a penalty, and then it, which is ordered to be retaken because of encroachment. And if England score, they win the home championship. But he misses that one as well. So England don't win the home championship. And event and because of the weird thing in the home championship where they, they only do they don't split teams by goal difference or goal scored or anything like that. They just share them. So in that year, England, Wales and Northern Ireland all shared that tournament. And the programme is obviously a great front cover, but as you go through it, there's some great pictures and there's some great adverts. I mean, smoking adverts, you forget about those, don't you? Um, even when I was a kid, there were smoking adverts in programmes. But my favourite bit of the whole programme is the running order before the game. And there's obviously your, your Highland bands, your... There's some, some. There's going to be a bloke singing various songs: Scotland the Brave, Loch Lomond, I Love a Lassie, that sort of thing. But my favourite bit is there's two different races around Hampden Park. There's a 1500 meter race and there's a there's a 3000 meter race. Uh, and there's three athletes from each one, three athletes from England, three athletes from Scotland, and they race each other around Hampden Park in between all this in between all this pre-match fun. And I just think that's that's brilliant. And I actually think the more I think about it, obviously Hampden wouldn't have changed too much from what it is now. There is a there is obviously almost a running track around it, isn't there? Even now. So I imagine it was a perfect place to do a to do a fifteen hundred and a three thousand meter race. And I think the more I think about it, the more I'd like to see that as some half time entertainment at the match. They used to basically have football or Olympics, didn't they? They'd be regularly they'd be the hardest shot championship yeah. and they would be um the fastest player. They'd make yeah. them all run a hundred meters. I remember David Burrows, who was Coventry in Liverpool. He was the hardest shot winner. I think it was something like ninety-seven miles an hour. Um, and there were some fast, there were some fast players as well. Longest throwing as well, I think, was one, wasn't it? Andy Legg. Andy Legg won longest throw, and I think that was before the League Cup final when John Williams ends up winning the hundred meter race and he gets given a run below's telly uh, as his prize. Yes, that is the one. I'm a big advocate for more things like that before the game, during half time, even fucking after the game. But the MLS All-Star Skills Challenge is one of my favourite things to watch. Goalie wars, hardest shot, fastest player. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. More of that. Great programme, Seb. We like it. Keep them coming. Enjoying this podcast but not really ready to subscribe to a print magazine? Well, you need the Mundell Gateway drug. Why not sign up to our weekly newsletter? You'll get exclusive writing, discounts, recommendations and some really, really random references. Follow the newsletter link in the show description and see what you're missing out on. That takes us to Tommy Stewart's quiz. So the quiz is called Who Played At? I think we're sticking with that by now. Very simple rules. I will name a match from any point in history. I will pick out a specific player on one of the teams. Well, not a player. I will pick out their position and you three will have to guess the player. Uh, can I have your sounds again quickly, just to remind people in case, and in case people have never listened before. Seb, I'll start with you. Owen? I'm going to go with, ooh, yeah, like the macho man Randy Savage. That's really nice. James, we all know what yours is. Come on. It's a goal. Excellent. Best buzzer. Yeah, it is. By far, by far. So, are you ready? I'll go straight into the question. Well, the match in question is the 2012 UEFA Champions League final between Bayern Munich and Chelsea. What I want to know is who played left midfield for Chelsea. 
Sab? Is it Ryan Bertrand? Yes! <laughs> what the f... What the... That was so the... quick. That was so quick. Seb, you I got so, so excited. I was... No, you are... <laughs> no, I've got a you are... No, Chelsea you are clearly... <laughs> you are clearly just... You are clearly just Chelsea now. You are Chelsea. You've been to so the benefit of the Can listeners. Just... It, Seb is genuinely wear. He's not even joking there. He's genuinely wearing a Chelsea hat. You've Chelsea women's Chelsea women's you've hat. Been, Chelsea hat. You've Chelsea been doing. You've been doing your homework. I had to produce and make the Chelsea Champions League uh, celebratory celebratory DVD for the European Cup. So that's how I know it because I watched that game a shitload. And yeah, but I'm, I'm pleased I know because I've, I've been disappointed with my return so far. Very well done, Seb. Another thing we should probably talk about on a, on a further pod, but leave this in now as a little uh, a little hook, is that if you go on YouTube, there's lots of um, English voices pretending to be Dennis Bergkamp and and, and, and and all sorts of foreign footballers. And it's often Seb and his wife and various other friends and family when they were working for pitch and they had to dub, they had to use voice they had to use voice actors. Seb's been them all. He's been an absolute smorgasbord of fucking world class players. What the fuck? So good. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think Ava did it once as well, by the way. <laughs> Ins and outs. We nominate them. We keep them in. Some we don't. S- James. Go in the match alone. I went to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers away at Arsenal. Bank holiday Sunday. Sunny day. Perfect two and a half pints beforehand. Got the train there. Got off. Four of the, I was 10 minutes late. Four late gooners. Jumping into a pub. Should we have a shot, lads? Yeah, I'll come with you. Went in, sat there in the sun, watched my team get absolutely battered. Spoke to two 75-year-olds the whole time and then went home. Absolutely brilliant. Sounds good. I'm going to put it in because that's probably, if you go to more matches alone, that's probably a good thing for other people. (laughs) In. Seb. Mine is uh, Escape to Victory, and this might be controversial, but um, uh, Escape to Victory, obviously one of the greatest football films. I'd forgotten quite how good it was. I'm going to be controversial here and say that I want a remake of Escape to Victory with current players. Well, that is controversial because because it'll be shit. It might be shit, but I'd love to see. Um, oh, I'd, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I mean, it's amazing when you think about Escape to Victory. They had Pele, Michael Pele, Michael Caine, Russell Osman, Sylvester Stallone. It is an incredible mix of people. Um, it could never happen, but I'd love to, I'd love to see a good remake. Who would you like to see in the remake? I'd like I'd like Jonah Hill to be play the Stallone role. <laughs> yes, that'd be really good. I, I I can't beat that. That's so good. He could be the keeper, no question. No question he could be the keeper. Or the Canadian I airman. Don't, so I, America like, weren't in the war. All right, mate, fucking hell. <laughs> Stop getting war. Stop getting war wrong. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the chops to do an accent. He's got the chops. Out. Tommy. Okay, my end is quite simple. Because summer is here... I'm talking about cold coffee cans. And I'm not talking about like your Costas five, six pound ice caramel latte. I'm talking about those those weird Costa or own brand uh, supermarket. Just to have them on the move when you don't want a hot drink on a hot day, cold, give you a bit of energy, especially for, it's good for nights out for the non-drinkers amongst us. If you want to pretend you're 
doing something else that everyone else is doing, but you're not. Just bring a cold can of coffee with you everywhere. Beautiful. Yeah, just don't snort it. Um, <laughs> I just prefer not to go out than take cans of coffee on a night out, to be honest. I'm, uh, you know, out. <laughs> Am I allowed it in this week? Yeah, of course. Uh, Face Bay, which I don't even think is a thing. I think it's Facebook Marketplace, but the, the same thing in that I, I hate stuff like this with all my heart. I would prefer to never do it, to, to not shop for secondhand stuff on Facebook. But my wife also likes it. But she'll only buy good stuff. She doesn't buy tat. But that's meant over the years, me ending up in some weird places, getting older stuff. And we've been looking for uh, a sofa to sit on outside, right? The old one's knackered. We've had it ages. It's a bit knackered. The dog dug it up and all, all sorts. And they're eye-wateringly expensive. And we're living in... Um, we're living in, you know, an, an economic crisis. So we're probably just going to swerve it and just, you know, and just and not deal with it. Last week she went, I found a, um, a three grand West Elm sofa on, on, on face Bay for hundred quid. And I said, oh, well, I suppose I'll have to go and get it. Anyway, it turns out we thought it was going to be something dodgy. And I turned up there on Friday night and the seller and her husband came out and they, and I said, why are you getting rid of it? Turns out they were both um, very high up the corporate structure into very big companies and they'd moved back from their big house in America and they brought all their stuff back and they bought a more twee house uh, in Kent and um, they've got loads of stuff that won't fit. So we just got lucky. Facebook marketplace is incredible. I'm with, I'm with you, oh. I'm with you. Mrs. White has sold a few things on there. It's very, very good. Very good. Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, you wait, you Facebook. wait till you're getting. You wait till she. You wait till she's wrapping you in packing tape, and you're being fucking posted. <laughs> See, free. See free what you think then. Home. See what you think then. Just needs collecting now. It's in. Uh, Owen, it's in. I'd buy you, Seb. As a draft excluder. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> very good, Owen. That's very good. Yeah, we get no win, but he will not fucking shut up about shirts. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very heating bill, heating bills have dropped dramatically, but I might, but I might kill myself. Uh, anyway, out, James. I feel you've got a bit of a bugbear. You've got a, a bit of a tick about this. You want to talk about it? And uh, what is your out, James Bird? Um, my out is managers saying that they need more investment when actually the football clubs that they're managers of have given them hundreds of millions of pounds to spend. And they've just... Name and shame, name and shame. Who are you talking about? <laughs> For instance, Julian Lopetegui, the Wolverhampton Wanderers manager. Just fucking shut up, man. Okay. You've been given so much money. I'm going to put him in out. And I hope he leaves now. And when you get relegated, which I don't hope really, because my dad would be upset. But when you get relegated, you'll say, God, I wish we kept Lopetegui. And me and Seb will remind you of this. Okay. Seb. Football statues. When they're done properly, they're fucking great, and they'll be in. They should be in, in right? But when they are done badly, and that have which is when? Oh my god, too many di- ones to notice. But the most recent one is Marcel Marcel Gallardo for River Plate, right? Deserves a statue. Went on the Copa Libertadores twice. He was a player, legend as a player and a manager. Absolutely deserves a statue. I don't know what. You know, okay, it takes a lot of skill and, uh, uh, you know, to, to sculpt something or to be a sculptor. The statue, he looks like a Lego man for starters. His arms and legs are completely out of proportion. And he's holding this, he's holding this sort of Libertadores trophy, right? And it, it, just, it just looks 
awful. And then it's only, and the fact that they've used, when they've announced it, they've used a picture that has cropped out his bottom half. Now, the reason they've cropped out his bottom half is because the, the, the sculptor has given him a proper, proper bulge. Like, it is, it's <laughs> embarrassing. You're paying tribute to a legend, and what you've done is given him a massive, massive bulge. Like, who doesn't, uh, whatever. But I cannot believe that, that, that people can get it so Wait, who wrong. doesn't what? Who doesn't what? Seb, Seb. <laughs> So Who doesn't want to have you going to be seen? Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Get... When you when when you when you're enshrined for life outside whichever non-league stadium finally put you up, you're not gonna you're not gonna want because because people do come past and you point at horse statues and you point at men's like it's human nature to go. Well, they haven't done it. They haven't done a cock. Or God, look at the size of the like whatever the 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 horse in Queen Square in in Wolverhampton, James. A well-endowed horse, you know. Um, so I big bulges on football statues. If that's what you're really complaining about, Seb, because you you can't have all football statues out. Because okay, yeah, you know, you said there's some. You said there's some good ones, but that bulge is offensive. Um, out me climbers. Uh, brackets vertical cyclists. Um, I've got nothing against cyclists. People who listen to this will be cyclists. I myself have a mountain bike which I like going out on. The roads around here are are difficult and, you know, I know a lot of people complain about cyclists. I'm not. You can just slow down and go around them, not on a corner. Climbers, one of the places I go walking the dogs is uh, a place called, I'm not going to say actually because more of them might turn up. There's a lot of climbing goes on there. I'm all right with it. I can bob and weave past. How are we doing? Having a nice climb? Yeah. Um, I did have to remonstrate with some teens last week. I heard saying something like, don't get the dog stoned or get the dog stoned. And I said, you can't, don't get my dog stoned. I'll have to kill you. But, um, but this weekend, a lot of climbers and dogs are friendly. My dogs are friendly anyway. And they just run up and say hello to people. And these climbers, re- you know, react like they're the only people who've got right to be on the rocks. And um, I think they need to fucking grow up, to be honest. <laughs> I've recently become quite drawn to climbing, actually. So I might come and climb on your dog walking route. Oh, uh, recipe. The disaster. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I get, I get one of the, I get one of the dog, I get one of the dogs to piss on your lunchbox. <laughs> Tories. Yeah, but I don't think these don't look like Tories. Just in titles, bit yogurt weavy. Do you know what I mean? You know, choose to cho- choose to choose to live in a, a Volkswagen camper when their parents got a seven bedroom house. Just fucking go back to your bed. <laughs> go back to your go back to your bedroom, Tarquin. It's all right. <laughs> Fine. You don't have to live in fucking Derrick or whatever you've called your van. So I'm putting them out. I'm putting them out. And then all that, is, all that we are left with is um, Tommy Stewart. My out is a very quick one. It's for end of season speeches and going around doing a lap of honour when you've not won a trophy. Now, given Man United did win the League Cup, but still, it just... I can't be bothered with that stuff. I'm as soon as that stuff starts, unless we've won the Premier League or the Champions League or maybe the FA Cup, then I'm leaving early. And I don't usually, I don't like to leave early. But as soon as the match is finished, I'm done. I'm, I'm not really bothered about this ceremony, which I realise is unlike Seb uh, earlier wanting the the races and all that, but not for me. I just want to get out of the stadium. And I think that's a terrible attitude, to be honest. Really. Because you've just said if we won the Premier League or the or the Champions League or the FA Cup, and denigrating the League Cup, which is both, not, it's an it's an important trophy to win. In only that it's a trophy, and and unless I'm wrong, 
you know, you haven't had many of them. Tommy, I just want to say very quickly that um, I felt and did the opposite of that on Sunday after my two and a half pints had become five pints. And I waited right right until the end of the game because the only reason I'd gone really was to say bye to Ruben Neves and Raul Jimenez. So I waited till the end of the game, waited until they clapped over there. And as they were coming over, I started, Seb, you'll have probably done this. I started doing the, come on, come closer. <laughs> My hand went, come here, come here, come, come closer. Come, That's adorable. Come closer. And, and, and they didn't, they were still, the, the closest they came was about 30 yards. I, I, I agree with O. I think it's just, that shouldn't be allowed. I think anything that where the players or fans have, are, are engaging in some shape or form with the supporters is a very good thing. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, it can be a bit boring and it can roll on a little bit, but I think, you know, it's 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 a connection between it shows a connection between the two and I think we haven't got enough of that in football and I think you know it might not be for everyone but I Maybe, think it's definitely yeah. something that sh- that's Seth, me being serious. So. You don't think you don't think they're boring, mate. Come on, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did, we did stay anyway. for like the very last dregs of the Chelsea women's one the other day, to be fair, yeah. Oh, oh, did you? Fucking hell. Someone find me that Patrick Truman gif of him falling over <laughs> in EastEnders. <laughs> oh. Out. James's infant daughter, who he's told me is quite advanced, has just brought herself back from nursery. And she's, she's... <laughs> she's, she's even got the keys in her hand. Oh. <laughs> she seems to be jangling her keys. Hello, Chechi. <laughs> Hello. She can't hear us. Hiya. To Julia, wave. Say ciao. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, there, there we go. And there you go. In one in 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 one little sentence, you spoke more sense than your father has <laughs> on, on, on 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 four on four episodes of reminding you why you love football. We have been uh, Mundell. This has been reminding you love football. I have been Owen Blackhurst. He has been James Bird. He has been Sebastian Dennis White. And he has been producer Tommy Stewart. Thank you again for listening at Monday Mag on Twitter and Instagram, mondaymag.com to see how you can get involved either reading the magazine or signing up to our newsletter. Leave us a review, tell your mates. It really does help us showing our bosses when we want to spend more money on headphones and uh, sending James to a ground somewhere to record some soundscapes and uh, keeping Seb in Chelsea merch. Until next time. Reminding you why you love football is a Mundial production for Football Co. Original music by Harry Harris. Production by Tommy Stewart and Seb White, hosted by me, Owen Blackhurst, and recorded on the run.